We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. talking about Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl LA will play for the Lombardi Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Steve Ribeiro filling in for Derek here a little bit, but he will be on the show later with the Athletics. Vinny Bonsignore, a great interview Derek got there. But right now I'm here with Josh Kolak. We got a lot of stuff to talk about in the show. We got we got Vinny and we got another great interview that Josh got. We'll talk about in a second. But Josh, how you been, man? How's your week gone? I've been good, Steve. Uh, you know, everything's been going great. Uh, just been kind of grinding, watching film of prospects, trying to put together draft profiles. Uh, you know, covering all the free agency goings on and, and just kind of really, 
really putting my nose to the grind working on this football thing. Awesome, man. I'm glad to hear it. It's been a good week. Uh, some of you may have heard me on Butting Heads earlier in the week. Of course, check out the other shows on our feed as well. Butting Heads, my show, me me and Magic Johnny. We, I think we do an okay job over there. And of course, Rams Uncensored and new show on our feed. And then later on, we'll have Rampage Radio back as well as Norm's new show coming soon. But we want to get into this right away. We have, you mentioned draft prospects. We got Kansas State right tackle Dalton Risner coming on the show we just recorded an interview with thought it was great dalton was he was a great listen he seems like an awesome guy guy we'd love to have in horns but no without further ado let's get into it all right i am here with kansas state nfl draft prospect dalton risner dalton how you doing man thanks for coming on i'm doing good man thanks for having me on here and uh, it's a pleasure yeah no doubt all right josh you want to you want to begin yeah uh, so Dalton, I've kind of done quite a bit of research, um, did a draft profile on you for our site. Um, it hasn't been posted yet, but look forward to that. Um, but, uh, you know, I know you weren't a, uh, five-star recruit or anything like that. I know it took a lot of hard work for you to get to where you are now. Um, so, you know, can you kind of take us back a little bit? What exactly did it take for you to make it from small town Wiggins, Colorado to Kansas state and, and now to the NFL? Yeah, man, I appreciate you doing your research. You know, I do come from Wiggins, and that's something I take a lot of pride in. It's a town of 800 to 900 people. It might be 1,000 now, but there are no stoplights. There is, you know, one restaurant in town and one gas station, and it's a town where everyone's family, and everyone sticks together no matter what you're doing, and you either farm or, you know, you farm, or you ranch, or you play sports. This is what you do in my small town, and I was the first one to pave the way to go play Division One football, and that took a ton of work, you know, that took going to probably, you know, 10, 15 camps a summer starting in eighth grade because, you know, we knew if we just did the bare minimum or just did what the average, what was expected of us in, in high school that we that we wouldn't make it to where we wanted to go. Me and my family and me and my mom and dad sat down and talked about that. So I started doing that in eighth grade and um, got coaches to notice me and say, hey, you know, we noticed you've been at camps for the last three years. So by sophomore or junior year, you know, the offer started rolling in and it just took, um you know, a tremendous amount of effort on my parents' part and my part to get those offers. And uh, Kansas State was by far one of the best schools that I wanted to go to, and that's where I ended up going. And and then kind of the same thing at K-State. I just continued to put my head down and work hard and found myself as a, you know, four-year starter and three-year captain and, uh, you know, paving the way to the, to the NFL draft, man. Dalton, I, I do got to ask, you said, you know, coming from a very small town, I'm sure going going into Kansas State was probably a big transition, you know, just culturally wise and then now you know you're on an la rams podcast potentially going from wiggins to los angeles you know what's that like you know it, it, it's unreal you know i trained out in anaheim in this off season getting ready for the combine and getting ready for senior bowl and i loved it out there man you know coming from wiggins to manhattan was a huge city manhattan kansas was huge man and everyone's <laughs> like dude nothing to do nothing there's nothing to do in this town i'm like listen man they got they got fast food they got a bowling alley they got a movie theater like this is crazy man and you know, I'm having to stop at red lights, and I'm waving to everybody. No one's really waving back because that's what you do in a small town. And uh, what I'm getting at, man, is that that was awesome. And then I went to, to Anaheim, and I got to visit L.A., and uh, what a beautiful place. You know, I just, uh, you know, loved it out there, and it was a great experience. So, you know, I sat down with the Rams at, at Combine, and, you know, going out to L.A. would be uh, an awesome experience for me, man. Yeah, Dalton. So uh, I'm actually from small town, Southern Illinois. So I know exactly what you're talking about when you describe that kind of stuff. Um, I'm right there with you, man. No doubt, man. No doubt. You know what it's about then. 
Uh, so Dalton, uh, you, you just mentioned that you met with the Rams at the combine. Um, you know, uh, what was that like, you know, meeting with them? How, how kind of did that go? Did they, you know, run you, um, you know, on scheme work, you know, kind of what, what was that meeting like? Yeah. You know, um, every meeting was a little bit different, but they got me up and watched film and talked about good things that I did, talked about bad things. Um, wanted me to talk about what I was doing on the play as well as what my teammates were doing. Uh, and everything like that. So it was, uh, it was it was awesome. I got to you know meet the coaches and uh, sit down with the offensive line coach and really chat with him. So it was a it was a good experience. And I always appreciated teams that got me up on the whiteboard of the film because I feel like that's where I had an opportunity to impress them with my football IQ and and knowledge of the game. Yeah, love to hear that, man. Uh, so I, I got to ask, you know, you've obviously come a long way football wise. You're at Kansas State, four year starter. What do you think needs to improve in your game, taking it, you know, from a Division One level to an NFL level at this point? Yeah, man, you know, I, I tell all the coaches this, you know, I think it's probably overall technique, um, a technique that you might get away with in college. Um, you know, even though I was going to get some of the top defensive ends in this draft class, you know, you know, that's not, they're still not Khalil Mack, they're still not Vaughn Miller, um, you know, <laughs> the guy, like guys like that in, in the NFL – Aaron Donald, you know, guys like that, you can't have bad technique. You got to make sure you're on your on your game every game. So, just cleaning up my overall technique and making sure that I have a good base and I'm maximizing my ability that way I can produce the best I can. What what traits do you think that you have currently, you know, that you had in college that'll translate best to the NFL level? Man, I think overall just hard work and grind. I'm a guy that when you watch film on me, I'm going to bring something different. You know, I don't believe there's anyone else in the draft class that brings the edge that I do. Um, and what I mean by edge is the guy that's trying to finish guys in the ground. When I'm on the backside of a play cutting off, I'm going to cut that guy off as hard as I can. And I, I love this game. I have a passion and energy that um, you got to love ball to play in the NFL. Um, if you're a guy that doesn't love ball, I don't know how long you're going to last. I've heard that from several coaching staff. So I just believe the hard work ethic and passion for the game that I've had and the appreciation for this process. You know, I'm not a five-star recruit. I don't feel like I'm entitled to anything. Just the the passion I have, man. And along with that, you know, the leadership I bring, you know, being a three-year captain at K-State. Um, I could go on and on, man, but I really do think that I bring a lot of traits to the table, and uh, I'm going to let those, uh, you know, show off at the next level. So you mentioned kind of uh, what you needed to improve on and, and what you felt like, you know, what traits you had that, that made you a good fit for the NFL. I just want to run it by you guys real quick. So when I did your scouting, Dalton, for my draft profile, um, one of the things that I was most impressed with with you uh, was two things that I really, really like in offensive linemen. Is the first thing is you do a really, really good job of sealing off your blocks. Like you're just, I can tell you're an intelligent football player. You know, a lot of times you'll let guys almost run themselves out of the play, and then you just finish yep. them off. And I, I yeah. love that. I, I love guys that can play smart and not just play, you know, brute strength. The other thing is uh, I saw you pull, and that's going to be a good trait for you, whether you're a tackle, a guard, doesn't matter. I remember I watched you. I think it was Oklahoma State I watched your film on, and uh, you pulled and finished this guy off. And, and man, it was reminiscent of uh, Andrew Whitworth this year for the Rams, and I, I just really liked that about you. With that said, you know, where do you see yourself fitting in the NFL position-wise? I know you played center. I know you played tackle. Um, so kind of where do you see yourself fitting? 
Yeah, man. You know, first off, I appreciate it. You know, um, I, I also agree that it's good to play hard, but no one likes to watch a guy that plays hard and just doesn't understand the game and is getting beat because he's not technically sound or smart. Um, so I appreciate that. And refraining to, you know, Andrew Whitworth, like uh, to be compared to him is an honor, man. Talk about a guy that I watch film on and a guy I try to mirror my game after. Um, that's a that's a, a big time vet in the um, NFL that I look up to for sure, man. So um, aside from that, when it comes to what position I feel like I'm at home, you know, I think it depends on the club and the club's need. <laughs> and whatever club's need is, that's where I feel at home, and I, I mean that. Um, you could put me at left tackle, I'm going to feel comfortable. You could put me at center, right guard, left guard, right tackle. I'm going to feel comfortable across the board. You know, I believe that I'm NFL tackle, but, you know, if someone were to say, do you believe you're NFL center or NFL guard, I'm going to say yes also. So, you know, I, I feel like I fit in anywhere, but uh, I guess my main argument would be anyone that doesn't believe I can play tackle, um, I'd probably come at him with quite a few arguments as to why I believe I, I, I am a tackle. Well, I, I definitely love the confidence in yourself. Yeah, you know, it's something that you have to it's something that you have to have, man. I I never want to come across too confident, but in this process, you know, um no one wants to bring someone on their club that is unsure of themselves. I I guess coming out of high school that might be okay, but what I've learned throughout this process is cuz you know, I kind of struggled on with early on with the meetings cuz you know, I'd walk out and I would tell my family or my agents that, you know, what I responded and, you know, whether that's them asking who the best player is in the draft or you know, what I bring to the table. And I was really, you know, modest, I'd say. And I've kind of learned that this process that you have to, you got to shoot guys straight and tell them how you feel. No one wants to draft someone that, that says they're not the best, you know. So I've kind of learned that throughout this process. Yeah, occasionally people will, like, you know, knock guys for being too confident. But, you know, I want players should be as confident as they are. And, I mean, to begin with, you're going to the NFL. You know, you're already in a very high class of football player you know why can't you be a couple steps above and get to that level I love that and I I love your passion for the game and I love that you know you said I have to battle in getting to pro sports is you know love for the game and just overall effort and I think you know with some prospects occasionally that'll happen where they got this far out of talent in in all all sports and sometimes you know they don't have a full love for the game it's more of a job and I think the best the best way to do it is if you have both, you know, love the job and love the game. So I got to ask you, yeah. you played football for all these years, you know, what's, when you think back on your football career, what's the moment so far before the NFL draft that you can point to and be like, this is my favorite moment I've had that involved football. <laughs> oh man, it's so tough. I'd probably say one of two things, you know, I, I either say one is when we won the Texas Bowl. Um, there's nothing, there's nothing like, um, coming together on a team. Uh, I don't think there's any sport like football in terms of putting the work in and coming together as a team and winning games. And that was just a tremendous, uh, experience winning the Texas bowl. We went nine and four, we beat Texas A&M and it was just a, it was just a great experience as a team. We had a great season and uh, finished like third in the big 12. And, um, that was just a, a great time to celebrate with teammates and all the hard work that we had done throughout the year. And um, I, I can't help but mention this year uh, at senior night, you know, I, I did five years at K-State. So my last game ever at Bill Snyder Family Stadium, um, I caught a pass for a touchdown. And that was um, a pretty awesome moment. Um, but after review, they ended up calling it back. But I still got the oh, score. The ref, said it, the, re- the ref said it was a touchdown. The fans went crazy. I got to celebrate with my teammates. So those, those two moments were pretty special. That's still a touchdown in my book. Yeah, no doubt, man. I'm looking at the football on top of my dresser right now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. 
So you were a three-year captain at Kansas State. Kind of what goes into that? You know, how, how is it to not only be a captain, but to be a captain for three years? You know, what's that like? You know, I think that that's a, a big aspect of the game of football is you got to you gotta have leaders. And, you know, that's something I, I try to take a lot of pride in. And uh, the reason I do is because, you know, it's voted by my teammates. You know, it's not a popularity contest with the coaches. It's not who sucks up to the coaches. It's who, you know, who's, you know, you're voted by your teammates. It's who, you know, behind, you know, behind closed doors when no one's watching what type of leader you are. So, you know, when I got voted captain as a, a redshirt sophomore, you know, I was 19 and I had, you know, 23 year olds on my team voting me as their captain. And that just was really special. Um, it meant a lot to me. And that's something that I can always work on. I have a long way to, to go in terms of my leadership. And I grew a lot at Kansas State, but I'm excited to see how I can fit in wherever I go in a leadership role, whether, you know, I got to earn the, the vets uh, respect and the team's respect for the first couple of years, whether that's a year or four years. Uh, I can't wait till I can uh, step into that leadership role in the NFL. Dalton, I, I do got to circle back to one thing you said because I can't I can't let you, this go unanswered. You said if an NFL team you know didn't think you could play tackle, you'd accept the role, but you'd give them an argument that why you could play tackle. Let's hear the argument. Yeah, man. okay, yeah. You know, I'm not going to rant for a couple hours, but um, <laughs> one one you know people talk about film being 90 percent of this process and so extremely important. Well. You know, whenever you watch the film, you know, I went up against guys like Charles O'Minihue from Texas, a, a top three-round talent. Montez Sweat, Sweat, who people are saying is a top 15 pick. Um, ben Benugu and LJ Collier from TCU. And then pretty much every defensive end in this draft class, um, including Ferguson from Louisiana Tech at the Senior Bowl. And I was tackled for the whole, my whole senior year as well as all of Senior Bowl. And I'm going up against the top guys. And, you know, I went to combine. And I'm, I'm, I'm tracking the measurements. You know, um, there's very few guys that had longer single arm length than me and a longer wing, uh, wingspan. You know, everyone talks about length and how important that is. Well, you know, I was in the top five on hand length, arm length, and wingspan. Like, I, I was up there on my numbers. So I think those two things are extremely important. Just being able to say, hey, I played the position against, you know, top guys in the draft class. And I, I believe, you know, did more than hold my own. I feel like I performed really well. And and then when it comes to measurements, that's, some, that's a big knock on guys. Well, he doesn't have the height or the length and um, definitely have more length and more height than some of the starting tackles in the NFL now. But, man, I'm not, I'm not too caught up in that. If they say, Dalton, you're not a tackle, you're never going to be one. All right, coach, well, put me in at center or guard, and I'll be, the, I'll, I'll be the best center or guard you have. You know, So that's kind of the approach I have. Uh, I love to play tackle, but I'm completely okay with wherever a coach puts me. Right. That's and, awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. It's a that's a great attitude to have, and I think uh, I've been to a lot of job interviews, and I gotta say that was a hell of a pitch to hire you as my starting tackle. Uh, I do gotta ask, you know, this is <laughs> well, thank you. you got it. I gotta ask, this is an LA Rams podcast. Have you met with the Rams? Yes, I did. So I met with them at combine. I uh, sat down with the offensive line coach, and I'm um, really good friends with the the Midwest area scout, Mr. Steve Kayser. Uh, one of my favorite area scouts there is. I uh, get along with him really well and uh, really enjoyed that, man. It was awesome. And like I said, I was out in, in Anaheim, which is, you know, 45 minutes south of L.A. and loved it out there. So I, I'd have no problem if uh, McVeigh gave me a shot, man. We definitely wouldn't mind you being on the team. <laughs> well, thank you, fellas. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I hope it happens. Hey, uh, Dalton, we know you have a foundation you're helping out with the run and the, the Rise Up Foundation. Why don't you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, man, I appreciate you asking. Um, 
Simply put, I'd say that, you know, I love this game of football, but it's not why I'm down here on earth. Uh, you know, faith is extremely important to me and, and being a, um, a humble and honest and good representative for kids that watch us. And, you know, I believe I'm down here to, to spread God's word and be kind to people. And um, I love this game of football, but it's just not my priority in life. So, you know, now that I'm down here, I am playing football and it's become such a big part of my life. I want to use this platform to be a good role model for the millions of eyes that are on us. Sports, especially football, has become, you know, the center point of the United States. That's what we focus on. That's a huge area of our lives. And so many kids look up to us, whether we're doing good or bad. And, you know, I kind of sat down and was thinking about all this, my, my fourth year, going into my fifth year at Kansas State, and I um, was thinking about the work that I do with Special Olympics, Special Olympics, you know, people that have special needs, and then also with, you know, kids that have cancer. I'm a mentor to a kid that had ALL leukemia cancer, and, you know, I, I speak at surrounding schools, um, encouragement and stuff, and I was just like, man, I want a way to bring that together um, to inspire other, you know, other athletes or other people just to have a positive impact on the lives around them. So I created the Rise and Up Foundation, and um, there is not one cause that it's directed to. You know, I have a website up at riserup.com. I have a Twitter page. Um, and it's all about just spreading kindness to everyone and, and utilizing whatever platform you have um, to make a positive impact on someone's life. And uh, I'm really excited about it. And I'm uh, hoping that, you know, once I get settled wherever I go to, I can start doing more work with it and uh, inspiring other people, especially other athletes, to realize how many eyes are on us, man. That's awesome, man. Uh, I think it's awesome that you're already doing that even before getting that first paycheck. You know, it's incredible. Um, I I got one more question, then I'll let Josh ask any final questions. But now, I, I watch the NBA a lot, and I see, you know, a lot of young guys, rookies, talk about how, like, just how kind of crazy it is when they take the court and, like, look across and LeBron's there or they're playing with LeBron. As, as an offensive player, when you're ready to get in the NFL and you're lining up, who is the guy you think you'll see across from you that will be kind of, like, damn, like, I'm really here. Dude, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, you know, if I line up and I got Von Miller lining up from across from me, you know, growing up in Colorado, uh, watching the Denver Broncos. Um, but but I, that goes for so many guys, man. You know, if I'm ever in the huddle with, you know, Tom Brady or Drew Brees, you know, guys like I grew up watching, like that's just going to be unreal. Even getting coached by some of the coaches, you know, being in some of these rooms, it's just, Unreal. So, I mean, I say Von Miller and a couple guys, but honestly, that's almost everyone in the NFL. It's going to be pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, I, I can only imagine, man. Yeah. Well, Dalton, I don't have any further questions. I just, you know, again, want to thank you for coming on, for making the time to uh, to chat with us here. And, uh, you know, we want to wish you all the luck in the world, whether it's with the Rams or not. You know, we'll be pulling for you all the way. And, uh, you know, good luck and good luck with your foundation. And, you know, hopefully sometime, um, you know, especially if you do get drafted by the Rams, uh, hopefully we can get you back on the show another time and uh, do this again. That sounds great, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was my pleasure, and uh, we'll stay in touch. It'll be awesome, man. All right, sounds good. Thanks for coming on, Don. It's great having you. Yeah, th- thank you, fellas. Great to get to know you, man. You guys have a good night. Yeah, you God too. God bless. <laughs> All right, we want. I just want to thank Dalton Risner for coming on again. And of course, if you if you want to help out his foundation, that's the Risner Up Foundation. Um, you can find that on the internet. Uh, Josh, that was, that was a great interview. You know, I guess parting thoughts. You want us to, if Dalton's sitting there at thirty one, what do you think? You know, I uh, I honestly feel really comfortable with our O line, but uh, 
you know, anytime you can upgrade, I'm I'm down for it. So you know, Risner's a guy that a uh, Risner, sorry, is a guy that I'm really confident in. I've scouted him. I really like him as a prospect. Um, the player comps that I kind of gave him was, uh, you know, Lael Collins and uh, Brian Balaga of the Packers, and and that's just kind of a, a rough, you know, feeling of kind of where he's at, kind of like those guys were as draft prospects. Um, I'm not saying that's his ceiling or his floor or anything like that. That's just kind of how his game reminds me coming into the NFL. Uh, I'd be I'd be ecstatic for him to be in horns. He's he's not only a great player who's versatile, which you know is extremely valuable to NFL offensive lines, but he's he's an even better person. And and I think you know he definitely fits the we not me mold that Sean McVay is is so predicated on with his team. So yeah, I'd I'd be happy to get him. Yeah, but I've been saying on, on Budding Heads that I want them to take, you know, they have four positions of need, I think, inside linebacker, defensive end, and offensive line, and not safety anymore. So uh, defensive tackle, too. I nose tackle would be a position of need. I want yeah, them to... true nose tackle. Yeah, right. I want them to have, you know, rank those guys at those positions, and then whoever their top-ranked guy is, no matter what the position is, that's who I want. Risner, he seems like a great fit because, you know, what he said in the interview, that he'd be willing to to he wants to be a tackle but if a coach said go play guard go play center he'd be fine with it and i think considering that we may go into the season with joseph Noteboom and brian allen starting at guard and center why not bring in this guy if you grade him high enough and he's there you bring him in either to compete with those two dudes for guard and center or wait a year and take over for whitworth next year and get to learn from one of the best you know off the tackles in the game so yeah he'd be great to have and guys we yeah, do want go ahead yeah, and in his interview, you know, he even mentioned that he's he's a big fan and kind of molds his game a little bit after Andrew Whitworth. So, you know, with that being said, I, I think that he'd definitely be a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think that the versatility kind of gives the Rams the maximum amount of options possible to, to fix that offensive line. Right, yeah, he'd be a great fit. And I think we're going to need some depth and help on that offensive line. You know, regardless of what you think of Nope, Boom, and Allen, you're still putting two untested rookies in there. This Not that Dalton Risner is tested, but he's a first-round grade, which is impressive. And, guys, we do want to remind you, you can get our podcast wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker. You can also find us on Clutch Points. They're an awesome app that puts out loads of NFL and NBA content at your fingertips. It's clutchpoints.com or get their app. And wherever you're listening to us, guys, be sure to give us a five-star review. It helps a lot. So, uh, Josh, I'm going to give you the floor a little bit here. There were some moves made this week. Roger Saffold out, LaMarcus Joyner out, Dante Fowler, Eric Weddle in. But you know, just what are, what's your takes here? You know, what what move do you you know? I'm mumbling my own words here. How do you feel about the decisions for Saffold and Joyner to leave, and what we're replacing them with? Well, first off, I'm going to start off with uh, with Fowler and Weddle. Um, Fowler, I'm I'm happy we resigned him. Uh, price tag's a little bit high for me, but you know if if Wade Phillips and Sean McVay feel comfortable with him, then I'm down. Um, and as far as Eric Weddle goes, one of the best safeties in the game. I don't care about his age. He's smart. He's a cerebral player. We need that on the back end, especially with Marcus Peters kind of being kind of that gambling cornerback. Uh, so I'm I'm ecstatic with those signings. As far as uh, as far as Roger Saffold goes, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really sad to see Saffold go. Um, I'm sad to see Joyner go. He he played well in Horns 
for the majority of his career. So it's transition. It happens. It's football, and that's just the way it goes. The thing about Roger Saffold for me is he he was nine years in horns. And, uh, you know, I, I'm from near St. Louis, so him him as a player is is really close to my heart because he started here with Sam Bradford as the quarterback, and, you know, he was that second-round pick to protect, protect Sammy. And uh, so he'll he'll always hold a special spot in my football heart. Um, I see it as a as a huge loss. He's a talented, talented guard. He kind of had some versatility as a tackle, if need be. Um, the biggest thing that I'll I'll forever remember about Roger Saffold was how how much he brought to to the number seventy six. You know, it was previously worn by Orlando Pace, and I'll never forget as a rookie that you know it was reported that. He called Orlando Pace to ask for his blessing to wear number 76. And, and that, to me, just speaks volumes about who Roger Saffold was as a, as a player and a person. And, you know, he, he was a great player for us for years. He, he had some up and down times as well. But overall, he had a really great career, and, and I'm sad to see him go. Yeah, we'll definitely miss him. We'll miss his leadership both on and off the field. Uh, and oh. It's kind of a bummer that we're going to lose him when he's kind of – he's had the best year of his career, I think, the last two years. And for him to go now, you know, the money, it just didn't work out, and I'm happy he got a payday. But I'll definitely definitely miss him. And now I'm not from St. Louis, but I was a St. Louis Rams fan before I was an L.A. Rams fan. So it it is kind of sad to lose another St. Louis guy. Uh, we got a couple of them left, but they're dwindling. The longest tenured Ram right now is Jake McQuaid, just so everybody knows, our long snapper. Uh, following up behind him would be Greg Zerline, Johnny Hecker, and Michael Brockers. So longest tenured non-special teamer is Michael Brockers. Uh, and Josh, I gotta ask, Nadama can sue. Some I saw a tweet that somebody said it's not impossible that he'd be coming back, but we it's have impossible. less. Yeah, we have less than ten million dollars in cap space. He'd have to basically be paying for free for us. Any hard feelings on seeing Sue go? Um, no hard feelings. Uh, I mean, get the bag. Get right. the bag when you can get it. Um, to me, Sue was always uh, was always a one year deal. Um, I always said that he was a hired mercenary. You know, he he wasn't he wasn't signed to be you know a long term player here. He was signed to try to push for that Super Bowl this year. And uh, you know, we we got to the big dance. We we didn't close it out, but you know, he he was off and on throughout the regular season. Really turned it up in the playoffs. Um, you know, but yeah, no hard feelings towards Sue. Hopefully, he doesn't go to a division rival or anything like that. Uh, then there might be some hard feelings. But other than that, you know, I wish him well. <laughs> he's he's a good guy. I think he gets a bad rap, you know, from fans around the NFL. But he, he's a good guy deep down, I think. And uh, you know, was was definitely a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. So, um, you know, thanks for the cup of coffee, Sue. Uh, we hardly <laughs> knew you, but. You know, good luck elsewhere. Yeah, he earned that money in the playoffs. I think even for how disappointing he was in the regular season, we paid for him to help us get to the Super Bowl and win. And he helped us get to the Super Bowl, and he helped us kind of. He helped us win. We didn't win, but he helped us get there. That <laughs> that, that that defense played lights out that game. Oh yeah, you know, our offense let us down. So I can't be mad with anybody on the defense from that game. Not at all. No, well, except Nickel Roby Coleman. I won't lie. Who. A almost cost us a trip to the Super Bowl, and then B didn't help us in the Super Bowl. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, the season's over. Well, Nickel lives to fight another day. Uh, we we will get to Derek's interview with Benny Bonsignora here in a second. But before we do, guys, one thing that Dalton Risner said in his interview that kind of 
sparks in my brain is that he said he wants to be a tackle, but if a coach wanted to move to guard or center, he'd be okay with it. And that made me think of Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. I'm sure many of our listeners have been hearing Derek talk about how I haven't read this book. Well, you know what, guys? I'm reading it right now, and that reminded me that in this book where we learn about Jim's dad, John, who played for the Rams from 1950 to 1957, he's an offensive lineman for the team, but it's a loose term because he comes in as a tackle, and guess what? Coach asks him to play guard, and he does it because he's a team player. This is a great story about a father and the team he played for in the era of glitz glamour and future hall of famers read about players like norm van brocklin crazy legs hirsch tom fears and les richter even guys before hawk sign like bob waterfield and this story spanning the 1950s la Rams. you can find hawk's book online at hollywood team and on twitter at hollywood team it's available in both hardback and electronic form at amazon and barnes and nobles and probably wherever you're getting your books on the internet guys the hardback is beautiful I have a copy of it. It's it's very nice. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot of books recently, and none of them have that little flap that you can use as a bookmark. But this one does, and I love it. Again, and this guy, honestly, it's worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. But it's also just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. And guys, trust me, Hollywood's team, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. All right. Without further ado, Vinny Bonsignore. <laughs> All right, folks, this is Derek C. Polly here with – I messed that all up already. See, rush, rough day, man, just rough. Here we go. <laughs> hey, folks, I am here with Vinny Bonsignore from The Athletic LA. Vinny, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. This has been a crazy, crazy week and a half now, and that's why I wanted to get a hold of you because because what the stuff we're seeing over social media, the response by Rams fans about – you know, the changes on the staff, I mean, sorry, the roster. I just want to just pick your brains. I know I'm seeing your work on The Athletic. I'm seeing what you're posting on Twitter, and you're getting lots of questions. This was laid out there. So the first thing I want to ask you about is what is going on right now with the Rams' plans concerning C.J. Anderson and any possible free agents? Well, I think that uh, C.J.'s market is uh, developing. Um you know, it, it, he owes it to himself to go look out there to see if there's, you know, uh, a the you know money. Obviously, you're going to be looking at that, uh, but also a chance to start and a chance to be, you know, the 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 main guy. Um, I'm not quite sure that's uh, available uh, to him out there. Uh, I think we would have already probably seen it. Now anything can happen. Uh, so now. I'm sure he's going to be looking at, uh, you know, obviously money. And uh, I think the Rams want him back, and I think there's a number that they're comfortable uh, paying him. But um, it's on him, you know, and he owes it to himself to go look at uh, what else is out there. And I'm not going to say a good chance, but I think the Rams, um, you know, feel fairly confident that um, it'll circle back to them uh, at some point. If everything's uh, equal or close, um, there's – Probably a good chance that he'll be back. But anything can happen, and all it takes is one or two teams to, to really decide, hey, we want C.J. Anderson, and then go get him. We, you know, we caught a few people off guard when he's on Twitter today saying he had no offers yet. And mm-hmm. so to hear that, and, of course, one of the questions that our guys on the staff had, well, if he's had no offers yet, you know, what are the Rams' plans are? Especially pushing to stay tender Malcolm Brown, you know. Right. Yeah, I, I think uh, 
the way it's been explained to me is basically, hey, go see what your your um, you know what you can get out there. Um, give us a chance to to, to match. Um, I think that that's how that one's going to go down. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, he owes it to himself to to really take a look at at, at what is uh, out there for him. Um, but you know, if that is the case, you know, I know that he uh, he, he put it out there. That probably bodes well, pretty pretty well for for, for the Rams. Um, and you know, we'll see where uh, it, it goes from here. Um, you know, I. I if I'm him, I'm probably – I know I'm anxious, but, you know, it's okay to be patient, too. Uh, there's going to be jobs out there. There's going to be money out there after all the dust settles, um, and, and maybe everyone will have a better idea what their roster looks like. Uh, but for the Rams' purposes, I'm sure that they would love to have that situation taken care of before they go into the draft, you know, knowing that they have somebody that they're comfortable with uh, at that at that position. Um and then you know be able to to look in other areas in the draft for for you know other other parts that they're going to need. So you mentioned the draft and the parts they're going to need. Do you think they're done in free agency overall? Uh, no, I don't think they're done completely. Uh, I don't think you're going to see any you know major crazy moves. Although you know, you never know, uh, things can change in a heartbeat. Um, lots of things are being talked about and discussed. I think it's more likely um, that the Rams are going to, you know, pick around at the uh, second wave of free agency when there's going to be some bargains out there, and there will be. There, there's going to be good football players that uh, that are available, um, whether it's closer to the draft or after the draft, um, you know, depending on what they do in the draft, uh, and they'll have a better idea what their roster looks like and, you know, what major needs that they've addressed. We know what the major needs are. It's defensive line uh, to replace Ndamukong Sue, and it's inside linebacker right now to replace Mark Barron and, uh, you know, creating more depth along the offensive line. I think there's a confidence level that Joseph Noteboom is going to be able to replace uh, Roger Saffold and that Brian Allen is going to be able to replace John Sullivan, you know, but you're going to need guys behind them. Uh, and does that come on that second wave of free agency? Are there some draft picks, you know, that they have their eye on? Uh, that all remains to be seen. But those are the three areas I think that, um, you know, are, I wouldn't say critical need, but I, absolutely the, the defensive line and inside linebacker, you have to find starters somehow, some way, somewhere. Um, I think it's more than likely that that defensive line is going to be taken care of uh, in the draft. But, again, anything can happen. So – this is going to come off as a really dumb question, but we're seeing these things all over social media. We know how things go on Facebook, Twitter, all those places. You know, there's still those people who believe that people like Dominican Sue can come back. And I don't see it personally unless the Rams do some major, major renegotiating, shifting some money around that could hurt them down the line. Is right. there any possibility you see some shifting along, you know, like with Michael Brockers in terms of renegotiating with him or other people to try and bring back people like Sue or anybody else? Uh, I don't see that. I mean, I've been told that that's not, you know, currently on the on the table. They don't like to do that. Um, you know, there's there's times where they will, um, you know, but I think that, you know, they, they like to keep things lined up so that they know what their flexibility is going to be, um, you know, moving forward. Every time, you know, I know it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, turn some of um, – you know, uh, either let's say Michael Brockers, let's take some money out of his bank, you know, and, and uh, convert it uh, into, let's say, a signing bonus, um, you know, to lower his, his salary for this year. Well, every time you do that, it gets charged. That money, I mean, no matter what you do, 
it's going to get charged to your salary cap at some point. Uh, and that's why you see some teams, you know, that are in trouble right now uh, with the dead money that they have, um, you know, because they're still paying off chargers that ma- they made, whether it was a signing bonus at a renegotiated contract or by dipping into, you know, somebody's contract to, to you know, to like, look what Drew Brees has been do- is doing with the, with the charger. I mean, with the saints, that's, they're going to pay that at some point. Mm-hmm. It looks easy and it looks great. Oh, let's create, you know, $10 million of salary cap. Well, that $10 million eventually gets charged somehow, somewhere. There's no way around it. Uh, that's the way the rules are. So you have to be careful, you know, when you're, when you're talking about that. You know, I think Michael Brocker is, is actually a, uh, an asset for the Rams because he can play inside. He can play outside. So I think whatever they get in the draft, um, you know, if they use that 31st pick to get a defensive lineman, uh, you'll see it. You'll see Michael Brockers either stay where he is or maybe move inside, depending on how that defensive lineman uh, profiles. So, um, so while I know everyone, oh, trade Michael Brockers or oh, release Michael Brockers for some salary cap relief, he's also actually a pretty big uh, part of what they're doing, and he's such a versatile player that that really helps in terms of being flexible and who they can go draft or maybe even bring in as a free agent. Well, what do you say to the critics about their Brockers critics? Who say, well, you know, he didn't really do much or much the year. And, you know, that was us for a while. So we got to go back and watch a little bit of film. And he's, you know, he's never going to be a huge pass rusher. He's never going to be the kind of guy who is flashy. So what do the Rams see in him that makes him such a big part of their plans? Well, I mean, a big part of the plans, I think that he's, he's a, he's a big part of, you know, uh, their defensive line right now. I mean, he's a veteran player that they can, that they believe that they can count on. He's not perfect. There aren't any perfect football players out there. Uh, but he's a, you know, considering that they're also losing in Dominant Sue, um, it's, it's, I, I think that there's, there would be a, a big concern if you go into next year with two brand new defensive linemen, mm-hmm. um, that you don't believe necessarily are, are, you know, are, are going to be upgrades. So you know what you have in Michael Brockers. I think there's a certainty to him. There's a, there's, you know what you're going to get. And now because you can move him, um, you know, all over the, all over the defensive line, you know that, hey, we could be, we don't have to reach for a specific technique defensive lineman in the draft. We could go, if, if the best guy at 31 uh, or wherever they end up picking, you know, is a, is a nose tackle kind of a one, three technique. Um, if that's the best guy, then great. We know that Michael Brockers can play outside. If if it's more of a you know five technique playing over the you know over the top of a of a, of a tackle as a traditional you know three four defensive end, hey, we know we can move Michael Brockers back inside uh, and, and roll with the with the newcomer at that position. So I think that because of that, and you know he's also a really important voice in that locker room as well. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I've talked to some coaches and I think that, you know, he made a little bit of some sacrifices last year in terms of his role um, and what he was asked to do. And, and you know, that's the one of the things that because we're not coaches, because we're not in, you know, the, the meetings before we don't because we don't know exactly what the game plans are and what guys are actually being asked to do. While outside, you might say, oh, Michael Brockers didn't have, you know, a great year uh, mm-hmm. inside the coach's room. They're like, hey, he's doing what we're asking him to do. And so we're satisfied with that. So looking at the roster right now, this the guys who are stepping in or right now, death chart, talking about left guard being no boom, center, Brian Allen. Right now, not draft included, no free agency included, going back into the defense. 
probably, if you were to look at it now, you would move Brockers back inside, have John Franklin Byers on the outside, and, and middle linebacker, you're going to have probably Michael Kaiser. I guess that's on the outside looking in. What is the thinking right now in the Rams organization about that setup on, on their depth chart? Well, I think the, the thinking in their room is we still have a draft and we still have more free agency and maybe even some trades. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's freaking out at what the roster looks like right now. I mean, if you're, you know, I, I get it because we're, we're dealing in real time. So fans are already plugging in positions. I mm-hmm. think there's, I think you're pretty comfortable with, with no boom and, and Brian Allen, or you never know. Somebody might come in and beat those guys out. Um, you know, you want competition, so we'll see. But right now, I think there's a comfort level. You know, the one thing I, I know I was talking to some people on Twitter about Joe and, and Brian, um, you know, there's a couple of things to keep to remember, actually. They played pretty much all the snaps in preseason. I mean, the, the bulk of the snaps in preseason because they didn't play their starters during the preseason. So all of those two guys and, and uh, Jamel uh, Demby got a lot of time to be evaluated. And for the most part, they did pretty well. You know, I know that they were, you know, at that point in the season, you're playing against guys that, you know, aren't necessarily going to gonna be NFL uh, players, but they, they, they did well for rookies. And then in the time, the times that Joseph and Brian were called upon during the, during the regular season, they counted themselves pretty well. And, you know, in addition to that, the way um, Sullivan and the way uh, Andrew Whitworth were monitored and managed uh, during the week, those guys didn't practice all the time. Somebody has to take those reps, and that was typically Brian Allen at center and and Joseph Noteboom at right at, at left tackle, or when Roger wasn't in there at, at, at guard. Uh, so, you, if you have any trust in Aaron Cromer, which I think I would urge fans to have trust in him, he knows what he's dealing with. And and so when you know when Aaron Cromer is telling Les Snead and 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 Sean McVay, hey, you know. When it comes down to making some decisions, I just want to let you know that I believe that Joseph Noteboom and Brian Allen can play right now. That's going to dictate some of the other decisions that made. You know, if you if you really look at it, Saffold probably goes because they needed to re-sign uh, Dante Fowler. Why does that happen? Well, there really isn't anybody behind Dante Fowler. That would have been a huge unknown if he leaves. And whereas Roger Saffold, the 31-year-old center, you know, or guard that – is being offered $11 million a year, those deals don't historically work out too well at that at that particular age. So so I think because of the comfort level of a Joseph Noteboom right there and Aaron Crummer saying, we're good, he's good, he'll be fine, then you can say, okay, let's be aggressive in keeping the 24-year-old pass rusher, even if it's just for a one-year deal and, you know, they, they think that his best football is still ahead of him. Um, but if it's not, then it was a one-year rental, and you go fix outside linebacker, you know, at, at another date. But you, I would tell fans, trust Aaron Cromer. Um, he's he's has a big influence in some of these in all of these decisions on the offensive line. So if he feels good about it, it's probably a good sign. Uh, shifting over the defense, real quick, real quick, you mentioned Dante Fowler and how he is a, a, a big part in terms of the pass rush. One-year contract. Still up to, as I understand it, up, it could be up, worth up to $14 million. Why were the Rams so willing to throw 11 to $14 million at an unproven asset right now? Well, uh, in their eyes, um, you know, uh, 
he he represents a little bit of certainty too. They got a good look at him uh, last year, and, and and the way that contract works out really is if he hits all of incentives, which hey, that's a great day for the Rams. That's a great day for Dante Fowler Jr. Um, because there's there isn't just performance based incentives in there. I'm sure there's some incentives tied up to the team. So if he gets every penny of that 14 million dollars, and the Rams probably had a really good season, um, but uh, you know. So really, what from his perspective, um, if he does get all that money, then he basically recouped the fifth year that the Jacksonville Jaguars didn't pick up from his original rookie deal. So if you want to kind of look at it that way, this is his fifth year. He's playing it on, on his fifth year of his of his rookie deal. Um, I think the Rams felt like he's probably going to get that kind of money anyway out there. I mean, uh, young pass rushers, uh, even if it would have been just a one-year deal, that's probably what he would have been looking at out on the out on the open market or somewhere around it. Uh, and I think that the Rams felt like, you know, that's that's a commodity that we really need, and we really think that his best football is ahead of him, especially getting a training camp and OTAs in the offseason. Um, so they felt good in that investment. And knowing that it's just a one-year deal, yeah, you're probably – if he has a great year – you know, that creates a good problem to have because then he's going to, you know, be somebody that every other team saw doing the same exact thing. So there'll be a market for him uh, next season. And, and, you know, maybe that's a guy that the Rams, um, you know, want to bring back uh, in those in, under that circumstance. But for one year, it gives them what they need. It allows them to also develop uh, Oboe, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the rookies who didn't get on the field last year. Um, and, and also Samson, too, because Samson is, is still, you know, there was a learning curve for Samson last year. Now he doesn't have to necessarily, the pressure's not on him to, to be like this pass rush, you know, uh, uh, force. He can he can continue to develop um, without that kind of pressure. Um, I think Dante being on the other side, give, you know, providing that push off the edge, takes a little bit of pressure off of Samson as he continues to, uh, to blossom and, and to groom. Okay, last question. I know, I know you got to go. you got a busy day ahead of you. No worries. Okay, um, and this really kind of goes towards the future because we've been kind of debating this back and forth here on our staff, and we're thinking about Jared Goff, and we're thinking about where he's going. We're seeing changes. We're seeing, you know, feelings in the community right now, not the community, but in terms of across the league about the quarterback position, the quarterback position, and how much these quarterbacks are getting. We're seeing Kirk Cousins getting $28 million. Uh, almost all the guaranteed, if I believe. You know, uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers getting $33 million. What is the Rams' mindset now in terms of getting ready for Jared Goff's extension? And is there a point now where not just quarterbacks themselves, but the organizations begin looking and going, you know, we have to change this a little bit because we have quarterbacks taking up one-sixth of our salary cap and it's knocking us across the board. Uh, no, I think that they want to to bring him back. I think they believe that you can be you can be still be successful and viable. Um, look, just look at look at the teams that have won um, and won Super Bowls and competed for Super Bowls. You know, I know that Tom Brady isn't you know making the anymore making the the, the, the twenty eight thirty million dollars, but the guy's gotten paid a lot of money over the length of his contract and especially recently. And you know what? The Patriots figure out a way to do it with that kind of a kind of a highly paid quarterback the, the you know Drew Brees and the Saints yeah they've had a, a year or two where they've had to kind of re- regroup um, but that's fine when you feel like you have your quarterback and your coach in place which that's what the Rams truly believe 
you know, uh, it gives you um, a comfort level to, to withstand maybe a, maybe a crazy year or a year mm-hmm. where things didn't go well and not freak out over it. Uh, that's what having a great quarterback, uh, especially a great young quarterback, does for the confidence level to be able to build. We've already seen it. We've already seen them build around, you know, Jared Goff and they got to the Super Bowl, um, finished a couple of plays short of winning the Super Bowl. Um, so, you know, I think that they understand that he's going to have to get paid. Uh, they're, they're, they're willing to do that. They want to do that. They want to lock him up and they believe that there's a way to win, um, with a highly paid quarterback and be able to build a team around that, that, that good young quarterback. Now it takes really good draft picks. It takes development. It takes knowing, it takes discipline in knowing who to let go each year. Uh, the Patriots show that on a yearly basis. Uh, it takes sometimes playing the top game. I mean, you know that, hey, now that LaMarcus Joyner is going, uh, and Dominic Sue is, is going, um, you're going to get some, you know, draft uh, pick, uh, compensation out of that. And that's always a good thing. Um, but it, but so you have to be disciplined and you have to be good at what you do. You have to be good at identifying good young players. Um, you know, and, and it also takes uh, a shrewdness in playing the free agent market, maybe not, necessarily going out to the big crazy money players but shrewdly bringing in veterans like an eric weddle um guys that look at what the patriots do i always i go back to the patriots but they do it the right way um you know look at trent brown they picked him up off the scrap he got a super bowl year out of him um, after losing nate soldier the year before Mm -hmm. uh and they keep marching along the way and don't bat an eye when guys leave and they get the compensation for him so for them so you know, you just have to be confident and you have to, you know, uh, under and you have to be confident and disciplined in how you develop and how you draft and how you acquire players. Um, and if you do, there's a there's a way to, to win and build successful teams with a highly paid quarterback and in the Rams case with a highly paid defensive player as well in Aaron Donald. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate all the, uh, you know, I know how busy you are this time of year so. Hopefully we can catch up on the draft. And I want to go back to that Jared Goff question after the draft because I'm looking at the numbers here, and um, it's fascinating to see what they're doing. Yep, absolutely. Right. Uh, anytime, just give me a holler. Right. Well, hey, real quick, throw a shout-out to where people can find you because I know you're working, doing some great work at the, at the Athletic. Uh, on Twitter, at Vinny Bonsignor, uh, and definitely uh, The Athletic. I highly urge um, you know people, it's not just Rams coverage, great Rams coverage, um, uh, and NFL coverage. I mean, no matter who you're, when you sign up uh, for the Athletic, whether you're a Celtics fan and a Minnesota uh, Timberwolves fan or whatever Vikings fan, I, you know, you get it all. It's it's one stop shopping. College, pros, uh, Major League Baseball, NBA, everything is there at the Athletic, and uh, highly urge um, the investment. It's a it's a nominal fee per month for for really good quality journalism. All right, and it's worth the money, by the way. It's actually pretty freaking affordable. It really is. Yeah. All right. Have a great day and, and good luck with your Q&A. All right, man. Thank you very right. much. Thank you. Take care. you. All right. We want to just thank Vinny for coming on as always. He's a fantastic guest. And thank you, Derek, who could show up to the interview, but couldn't make it to this podcast due to weather issues. And I'm putting air quotes in my hands, Josh. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if I'm buying it. Hey, uh, I, I believe it. He's, he's, uh, He's from the Midwest like me, so I know here we've got some really high winds. Thankfully, my powers stayed on for us and, you know, haven't had any tornado sirens go off, but I think things were pretty serious for him. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I, I'm just messing with him. He gives me too, hard, too much of a hard time on here, man. If I could come on his show and just you know <laughs> chirp him a little bit, this, this is what I live for over here. All right. So whenever Derek wants to come home with butting heads, he won't have a chance because I am always here. Uh, <laughs> all right, Josh, I mean, before we go, any parting thoughts, anything you're hoping to see from the Rams before free agency comes to a close? Uh, you know, honestly, we're pretty tight against the cap. Uh, there's moves that could technically be made, but so far it doesn't sound like they're planning on doing anything like that. So I think we're probably going to sit pat. Maybe one or two bargain bin guys come through. I know Clay Matthews has been brought up recently, so we'll see what happens there. Um, whatever they do, I'm going to trust the process. But uh, there's definitely names out there that I would love on the Rams that just are unrealistic for us at this point. Uh, you know, guys like Justin Houston um, would probably be my favorite. Uh, Danny Shelton, the nose tackle. I think those guys could fill some holes. But again, they're really unlikely for us at this point. I think we're pretty much going to be turning towards the draft. Um, if, if, if people want to see, you know, free agent signings, uh, come back next year. We've got a ton of cap space next year. Obviously, there will be guys to pay. But, you know... Uh, those moves can be made then. So we'll see what happens. Um, the other thing I want to mention is everybody just go out and check out our shirt that was designed with LF designs. A uh, great shirt, great way to uh, commemorate the history of this, the Rams, uh, both St. Louis and Los Angeles. The guys worked really hard on this, designing it and putting it together. So go out, support us, um, get the shirt, have your family get the shirt. Uh, it helps us to create more content and provide better content for you guys in the future. So go support us, check it out. And again, get that book. Yeah, definitely grab the book. Definitely grab the shirt. Um, it's a, it's an awesome shirt. I'm, I'm really proud of the design we had. If you can't find it on the internet, just hit up any of us on social media. We will direct you to where you can get this shirt. I do want to just end this here with, you mentioned Clay Matthews and uh, I tweeted, we tweeted at each other about this today. I think we're on the same page. He's so washed, but if we could get him for like the vet minimum and just use him as a situational pass rusher, I'm in. Why not? It's Clay Matthews. He's a hometown kid. That'd be awesome. But like anyone, if we get him and anyone's like, we're getting Clay Matthews, like please temper your expectations because Packer fans have been sick of this dude for years, like years. Yeah, it's not it's not a recent yeah, thing. Yeah, he's not coming in and getting double-digit sacks, guys. Uh, temper your enthusiasm if we do get him. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that he'll bring to the table is his intelligence and his experience in the game and maybe be able to teach some technique to the younger guys like uh, Samson Ebukam. Uh, other than that, you know, situational pass rusher here. We're, we're not looking at the second coming, guys. No, but... Hey, Chris Long had a nice little second run as a situational pass rusher, so who knows? All right, we can we can wrap up the show here. If you guys want to sponsor us, uh, reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave a voicemail, 657-666-5433. We'll immediately get ready to get at you. It's a great opportunity to sponsor. Uh, if you don't believe us, ask Jim Hawk, ask Sal Martinez. We've had great experiences with all of our sponsors so far, and it's a good, cheap way to get, get the word out about your business. And again, thank you to draft prospect Dalton Risner, the Athletics Vinny Bonsignore, and I guess Derek is considered a guest on this podcast this week. Derek, <laughs> thank you for coming on to my show. I really oh, appreciate. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, anyways, and if you want to find us on social media, Josh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I just thought your name was Kylo Ren until you joined the staff, and I was like, oh, he's got a name. Um, Everybody mistakes me for being Kylo. That's not my name. It's just a Star Wars reference. I'm a registered nurse. 
RN is registered nurse. Ah. So I thought it, it was a good play on words. I never put that together. That is a very good play on words. Well, you could follow Josh on Twitter at RN underscore Kylo. You can find me at Steve Ribeiro. You can find Rams Talk at Talk Rams. And find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rams Talk. Join the Rams Talk room on there if you already haven't. And guys, don't forget to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, everywhere you're getting your podcasts and five-star reviews if you can. For Josh, this is Steve Ribeiro. Take it easy. We'll see you guys next week. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.